When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. All right, guys. The Blue White Breakdown podcast. Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. I'm Bob Flounders. Typically, this is the one. This is the second one I do with that rascal Dave Jones. Uh, but he is, I believe, en route to Columbus as we speak. And we got my man, Daniel Gallen, stepping in. Daniel does a great job for us, as you guys know, not only covering the Penn State football season, but also uh, Penn State recruiting. He's been a very busy guy this year. Uh, Daniel, welcome to the podcast. I also know you do one with Dustin Hawkinsmith that is that deals a lot with Penn State recruiting. I know that's going well also, but Daniel, how are you doing and are you ready for 25 minutes of, you just don't know what I'm going to ask you. So it's probably a little bit terrorizing. No, it feels good to be back in the big show. I'm, I'm back up in the big leagues. <laughs> Obviously, Dave has some some big shoes to fill, but I, I can do my best. I don't know if my opinions will be as strong, but I'll, I'll try to bring the energy. Just just two quick things for me. Dave was a little Dave was a little fired up yesterday after James's uh, news conference. So try not to swear. Number one, <laughs> I know that I know you'll be good with that. And don't call any Penn State fans. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to repeat the words he used, but just just try and keep it. Just try and keep it straight and narrow. I know you'll do a great job with that. Dave was feeling his oats yesterday. Um, uh, I was listening to you guys while I was making dinner last night. You guys, you guys, you guys brought the energy. Yeah, especially Dave. Dave had some thoughts yesterday, so we'll reconnect with him out in Columbus. But Daniel, we're still a couple days away from Penn State's road date uh, with Ohio State uh, Saturday night, seven thirty kick. The line just keeps growing. I think it's up to 19. It's it's uh, a formidable team that Penn State's facing this year. Clearly the bet- most talented team they'll face, I think, all season and one of the most talented teams in the country. I just, I just want to start because it's always just Dave and I sharing our thoughts. And I just wanted to get just kind of your big picture thought, generally speaking, of where you think Penn State football is at going into their final five regular season games, giving all the things that have happened, whether it's the injuries or the distractions or the rumors about James Franklin or the lack of a running game or, you know, some key injuries on the defensive side, you know, considering the way they started and the optimism and where they are right now, what's, what's your take on where Penn state's at right now? I think they're in a interesting spot. Maybe even, I think you look at it with from the injury perspective and everything going on, it's a tough spot especially given with what is is coming up next on the schedule. But, you know, you go into the beginning of the year and you say that they're they're five and two going into the Ohio State game. A lot of people would probably take that, especially after last year. But given 
how it happened with those two losses coming back to back. One of those losses coming against Illinois. I think that it colors things a lot differently and there's a really tough road ahead. I got a couple questions in the subscriber mailbag this week. Are there any wins left on the schedule? I felt like that was a little extreme, but I think that they're in a really interesting spot. We're going to learn a lot, I guess, uh, about James Franklin, about Sean Clifford, about some of these young defensive linemen, about some of these offensive linemen. Um, And it'll be kind of interesting to see, see how that shakes out. But I just think they're in a really interesting spot when you look at kind of the the big picture and especially given what has happened the, the past two weeks. So let me give you two uh, thoughts on Sean Clifford and see what you think. It, to me, it's, it's still, even though I know we all said it over and over, you know, going into spring practice, leaving spring practice, you know, at the start of August camp, at the start of the season, when they're ready to go to Wisconsin, uh, you know, Will Levis left, obviously, at Kentucky, doing pretty some pretty good things at Kentucky. Uh, I have no doubt they tried to upgrade the quarterback position via the transfer portal, but they were not able to. But, you know, we, we, it was, hey, man, just the, the one thing that can't happen is Sean Clifford cannot get beat up or, or, you know, can't be, you know, out for a couple of games or just not quite himself. And they were just kind of chugging along through the first five games. Everything looked great. Um, you know, they get the win at Wisconsin. They get the momentum. They shut out Indiana. You know, their, their defense is playing well. Then the injuries start to hit. It's stunning to me, though, just how different this Penn State team looks without Sean Clifford. And this is the same Sean Clifford that last year was very much up and down. He did not play well when they lost five in a row. He did play much better uh, when they won four to close out the season, but they didn't really ask him to do that much during that winning streak. They relied on the running game. Jahan Dotson played out of his mind. I don't think they played teams that were necessarily world beaters, but just the, just the change in this Penn state team with Sean Clifford, not at a hundred percent, you know, you saw it when Taquan Roberson came in the game against Iowa, but then they had the bye week and then Illinois is coming in. They're 24 point underdogs. You, you kind of feel like, Hey, they're going to rest John Clifford. They're going to give a lot of efforts to Roberson, maybe even value. They're going to find a way to win that game and get Sean, maybe a little bit closer to hundred percent for this game. And it just, you know, they decide to start, to start Clifford. He's okay. Early. He gets worse and worse as the game goes on. Clearly he's impacted, but Daniel, it's just stunning to watch how this team has come unraveled without a healthy Sean Clifford, but also it's also stunning that they have not been able to get a quarterback that's, you know, they even remotely trust to put in the game for at least a few series and play football. That's good enough to win. Yeah. The quarterback situation and and how kind of all that has, has shaken out has been pretty fascinating to watch. Obviously, if you told people before the season that Sean Clifford going out and being hurt could potentially spell doom for this team. A lot of people would think they they would think it would be a little bit different that there would be, it it wouldn't have been this version of Sean Clifford. He was obviously the biggest positive surprise of the season on the offensive side of the ball. He's really proven his value in his kind of absence, um, absence of his ability to play at a hundred percent. So you know, we just got off Zoom with him a couple minutes ago. He said that he expects to be 100% at Ohio State this weekend, uh, which kind of echoes what James Franklin said on Tuesday. What that actually looks like remains to be seen. 
I scrubbed back through the the overtime periods uh, last night and you watch him adjusting himself. It just d- doesn't look comfortable. You look at the whole the whole quarterback picture and it, it's amazing. I mean, the fact that we didn't see Roberson or Veyu or, or anything different uh, at that position, given how that game was going, even if yeah. you're just going to try to take Clifford out for a series to kind of yeah. limit some of the hits, limit the exposure. There was none of that. And there's a reason that guys are backup quarterbacks. It's you're not going to have it, uh, no drop off across the board, but it, the way that this has kind of played out has been been pretty unexpected, uh, at, at least from my perspective coming in. When the offense isn't rolling and they were actually rolling in the Iowa game, despite those two turnovers that he had, you know, it, it just has a, it just kind of transform, transforms the whole team. They're playing from ahead. The defense has confidence. Uh, the offense is on the field, you know, for, you know, three or four or five minutes, giving these guys a, a chance to rest. And as the Iowa game played out without him, and as the second half of the Illinois game played out with him in there, but banged up, they just weren't on the field very long. Illinois knew exactly what they were going to try and do, throw the ball short. They knew he wasn't going to try and run. The offensive line couldn't get it together. And it's it's just it's just such a transforming effect, all in a in a bad way. I just you look at the schedule the rest of the way. I'm with you. James said on Tuesday that Sean felt great on Sunday, like less than you know, 24 hours after the Illinois game in which he got sacked four times. He got cheap shotted on another play that was not called. He actually hurt himself on a play he didn't even uh, he didn't even get touched on. And to, to believe that, that he's actually feeling great. It's hard to take comments like that at face value. And seriously, I wish I know they can't say, boy, my midsection's killing me. I hope <laughs> I don't get hit by Ohio State's defensive line. So I guess that's pro- I guess I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But I think I think everyone's kind of picked up on the fact that he won't be 100 uh, percent against uh, Ohio State. And you just wonder kind of what Penn State is really walking into. We don't get to see a lot of Ohio State. We just get to see the box scores and the highlights uh, as they continue to steamroll teams that are not very good. But, Daniel, what we do know is that they have been stacking elite recruiting classes on top of each other for several years. Their quarterback room is, you know, it's it's unbelievable. The, the best quarterback on the team might be the kid that reclassified from Texas. We don't know that, but the kid that's playing, C.J. Stroud, is a Heisman contender, and he's probably going to be going to New York City. He could actually win the award. They have another five-star uh, from Pennsylvania. I think he played one game when Stroud might have been banged up. He did a great job. Even though they're beating up on teams that aren't great, you just can you can see the athleticism, you can see the skill position talent. And now that their defense made a change at defensive coordinator, Daniel, it looks like they're starting to figure out things on on the, at that end uh, of the spectrum. So, you know, we're going to pick this game a little bit later. But as you look, we always talk about maybe matchups and questions. What are a couple of matchups, Daniel, for you that Penn State is either going to have to be really concerned about? or they're going to have to find a way to exploit uh, against Ohio State, uh, and it won't be easy. Yeah, I think when you look at the the Penn State offense's perspective, I think that there should be opportunities for Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith to, to take advantage of Ohio State in the passing game here and there. I think that Jahan Dotson is the type of player. I mean, we all saw what he did to Sean Wade last year in that game. And Jahan Dotson is still one of those transformative talents who it doesn't matter who he's matched up against. The defense will be 
paying attention to him and he can make the plays. Of course, how his ability to make those plays is impacted by Clifford. So that's, that's something where you kind of have to, you know, you kind of think about that a little bit. Obviously the Penn state offensive line has had a shaky performance this season. And you look at what's across the, across the way, but I think you look at the Ohio state offense against the Penn state defense. And that's kind of where uh, some of the more, the very interesting matchups are. I think you look at the, the wide receivers, Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Digba against Joey Porter Jr., Tariq Casher Fields, Daquan Hardy, Jaquan Brisker, um, Jair Brown. I mean, that's going to be a lot of fun. I was looking at the rosters and the depth charts last night, and I kind of hope that we get to the point where we get to see those guys go one on one. But we might not even get to that point when you look at what Travion Henderson has done sure. and especially coming off uh, how Illinois ran the ball against I call it the, this Penn I call State it the, defense. Yeah, I call it the Chase Brown game now. I just call it the <laughs> Brown game. He was unbelievable. I was looking through uh, Trayvon Henderson's game logs, and he only has three games this year where he's had more than 10 carries. He <laughs> only has two 100-yard games, but he hasn't had to do that much. I mean, 8.8 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns. It He's been a load. No P.J. Mustafer in the middle. We saw we saw that yeah. impact. I think that's going to be the the big matchup. If Penn State can't stop that, then having those cornerbacks being able to to match up well with those wide receivers doesn't even matter. You know, last year when these two teams played in week two of a shortened season, a pandemic season, obviously uh, you can make the argument that for whatever reason, I think Penn State might not have been playing its best football. For they just didn't look like they. I think the the emphasis was on safety and testing and all that, but. Castro Fields and Joey Porter were out there against uh, against Olave and Wilson, and it did not it did not go well uh, in that game. Uh, those those guys absolutely torched Penn State. It did help that Justin Fields might have had, you know, as good as he was in that Clemson semifinal. The uh, the, the performance at Penn State might have been his second best game. Last year, and Stroud sure looks like he is an elite talent throwing the ball as well, and he can move. So I'm with you. That is a very enticing matchup. I think Penn State fans and maybe the Penn State defensive backs are very excited about seeing what might, might happen, to which I would say, Daniel, be careful what you wish for, because those guys are really, really good. And if you have to worry at all about committing an extra defensive back to the box to deal with Henderson, man, you just can't make any mistakes against this group. And that's to me what I think is so uh, worrisome if you're Penn State. The defense, they've played very hard. They've played very good in the red zone. Even in the Illinois game, I would argue that they have. But their depth concerns are beginning to show up. At some point, these guys are going to start to get tired because they're really only playing three defensive ends. They're really only playing three defensive tackles. And like you said, no Mustafer. And it's just... You just wonder when the dam's going to break. I mean, it's just, it's just, you can't, and they've played so many snaps. Can I conjure up a path for Penn State to stay in the game for four quarters? I think I probably could, but a lot would have to go wrong for Ohio State. If these two teams, the way they're constituted right now, played 15 times uh, Saturday night, they played that game 15 times, I think Ohio State would probably win at least 14 of them. So, I mean, I just, I I think the fan base knows kind of what's, what's coming and they've only ever won twice at the horseshoe since they joined the big 10 uh it's been a while this is the blue white breakdown welcome to cure a medical marijuana dispensary
Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Before the Illinois game, Brett Bylema essentially called out his entire veteran leadership group saying, look, I wasn't left with very many players. We're not getting a lot from the guys that I inherited. The offensive line really hasn't gotten the job done. Now it looks like a brilliant stroke because they sure came to play against Penn State with that weird jumbo formation. James has James is not really the kind of guy that's going to call anyone out. He's going to kind of hint at some things. But is do you think there is a group on the Penn State team that's at least motivated to play and play better? I think both lines probably have motivation based on how they played yeah. against Illinois. The offensive line, we might see Juice Scruggs at center, uh, Mike Miranda at guard, kind of what we saw late in that game. I feel like that group has a lot to prove. Then on the other side, the linebackers and and that defensive front, yeah. they have a lot to prove too based on how they played in the Chase Brown game. So I think those are kind of the, the two groups where it's probably cliche, but they, they probably don't need to be called out. Um, I think yeah. that everyone kind of knows where those struggles were. And I think that when you look at those groups' ability to kind of make plays on their own, maybe you look you see something from the linebackers. Curtis yeah. Jacobs and Brandon Smith are, are two of the top individual talents sure. um, on either side of the ball that Penn State has. So they could be in a position to, to make some things happen. But yeah, I mean, Brett Bielema, he, he pushed the right buttons last week and, and it showed on Saturday. I hate giving that guy credit, but he did. He did. <laughs> and, you know, you, you mentioned it where James Franklin doesn't really do yeah. things that way. So I don't know what buttons he's trying to push behind the scenes or, or who is the coach, whether it, it maybe it's Mike Yersich. We've seen him at practice be pretty fiery with his guys. Maybe yeah. he's the one kind of doing that, that motivating. But I think that when you look at the the two groups with the most approved, it, it's the front seven on defense, then that, that front five, or if they have to use a sixth because the tight ends aren't playing well, that, that front on the offensive side. Yeah. Jaquan Briscoe, I think, is another guy that can change things for the good with one play. But he he's another guy that, I mean, talk about guys that are, you know, we're talking about Sean Clifford being not 100% and obviously P.J. Mustafer's out. I don't think Jaquan Brisker has been 100% from maybe, I, th- I think early in that Wisconsin game, something happened to his shoulder or maybe he even brought it into the game. But you can just tell he is really struggling to play at a very high level for four quarters and it's it's not his talent it's just I think his pain threshold even when we we talk about these guys making a play or making like a getting a turnover or foiling a drive getting a stop on fourth and one they still have to defend like another 12 possessions and and Ohio State man they can they can go 60 or 70 yards on you you know just when you think you're you're feeling pretty good just because of the skill level you know, on the outside and the way that Stroud can throw the ball, they can, the receivers can turn a short game into a long catch and run touchdown. If you're not in the right gap against Trevion Henderson, it's over. So I know this sounds like a doomsday podcast, but I think we're just trying to be realistic. Can you see Daniel, a scenario uh, before you make your pick that Penn state keeps it close? What do you think would happen if, you know, it's a 24 or 30 point game? I know that Penn state, even when they haven't been good, they, they really good. They played Ohio State very tough, 
But there was a game out there in 2015, James's second year, where they lost 38 to 10. They had Hackenberg. They had Godwin. They had uh, they had Saquon Barkley. They did not have a great offensive line. But, I mean, it, it is possible for the game to get away from him. What are your thoughts just on how you see the game playing out in terms of high scoring, low scoring? What do you got? I think for the scenario where this game gets away from from Penn State, it, it kind of falls on the defense where the defense has played this bend, don't break style the whole year, and they're going up. I mean, this is really the first time they're going up an offense that is designed to break you. It's going to be a, a really tough test uh, to kind of avoid avoid those big plays, but I think that we'll see more points than we've seen in, in some other Penn State games yeah. this year, just just based on Ohio State's talent level and, yeah. and the way that Ohio State's been playing. I do think if it's a low scoring game, that favors Penn State um, a lot more, especially given how how the offense is played. But if it's a low scoring game. You're going to need to grind out the clock. You're going to need that running game to show up, which hasn't showed up yet this year. So it's really hard to find find that path to to victory, uh, for, at least from my perspective. I, I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah. So this is the Blue White Breakdown Podcast. You're listening to Daniel Gallen and myself, Bob Flounders, talk about and preview the Ohio State-Penn State game Saturday night. I think you guys know most of the details. They're heavy, heavy underdogs. They're a little beat up. Sean Clifford is allegedly... Expecting to be 100%. We're going to call, we're going to, we're going to say maybe that might be a white lie, uh, but we understand why they're saying what they're saying. It is an, it is a night game. Pence era, Ohio State's rolling right now. Ohio State hasn't beaten anyone, but I don't know that, you know, Penn State really, that Wisconsin win is starting to look better, but that Wisconsin team when Graham Mertz was chucking it around the field. That was a different Wisconsin team than Penn State saw. So I don't know that I'm buying that Ohio State hasn't beaten anyone of note. I think Ohio state's a pretty, a pretty talented team, but yeah, we uh, will be at the game. Uh, Daniel, before you make your final score prediction, who is the player you you're going to be watching the most on the Penn state side? Do you think, do you have a bold prediction in your bones for this game? Or do you think that maybe this could be one of those games where it could play out exactly as a lot of people think it's going to play out? Yeah, in, in terms of players to watch, uh, I I would say Derek Tangelo, Kaziah Izzard, yep. Devon Ellis. I think that just based on what we've seen from Travion Henderson and the Ohio, and I think Master Teague is supposed to be back too. Um, you look at the Ohio State offensive line, uh, I think that you just kind of got to start uh, in the interior. Um, and then on the Penn State side, I mean, I think Jahan Dotson could have a big game. We, we talked about it earlier where it's unfortunate for him that so much of his production is contingent on Sean Clifford. And if Clifford's not 100%, then that uh, affects Jahan Dotson. But, you know, we haven't seen much from the tight ends. We haven't seen much from the running backs. Um, and so I think that if Penn State is going to have a chance, you're going to need another kind of superhuman effort from Jahan Dotson. He was asked kind of about last year's game being sort of his breakout um, on the national scene. And he yeah. said that, you know, he's, he's trying to do that again this year, you know, if not better, whether or not the quarterback can help him make that happen. Um, yeah. I think that he's, he's someone that you just kind of have to keep an eye on. Here's one thing I, I I've been thinking about this week and it's not really a Penn state thing, but if you're Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, are you tired of hearing about how great Jahan Dotson is after <laughs> what you did as well in last year's game? And you also, I mean, physically, you're right there with the kid. Jahan Dotson is a great player. He is handcuffed at the moment by what's going on with Sean Clifford. I'm not saying Jahan Dotson is not a great player, Penn State fans. What I'm saying is 
when you're Ohio State and you have those two guys, two guys in the same conversation with Jahan Dotson, and all they've been hearing all year is about Jahan Dotson, do you think they might want to put on a show on Saturday night? It, it would not surprise me at all. <laughs> I think that all those guys pay attention. They know yeah. what's going on. Those, those guys have gotten theirs, and I think they know they have a chance to do it with a lot of people watching on Saturday. Yeah, the guy that the guy that I'm going to watch just because I think that I think he's got a big game in him, and he's been he's he's been good all year. But I think like a game on a national stage against an offense like this, you want to talk about boosting draft stock that's already they're already talking about him as a potential first round pick or early second pick. I think Brandon Smith, if he has a big game. You know, the offensive line of Ohio State is going to just cause some issues. I think even for Ebiketti, you know, and Jesse Lucchetta, those have really been the impact edge defenders for Penn State this year. But, man, Ohio State's got some great tackles and some great guards. So it's going to be – I think for the guys that are playing down, it's going to be a little challenging. But I I want to see Brandon Smith maybe make a couple of plays, maybe maybe big hits, maybe maybe force a turnover. But I think he's a guy that if he has a big game – even if Penn State gets smacked around a little bit, I think he's really going to be a guy that people are going to be watching the rest of the year. Um, so he's he's kind of the guy. I don't have a bold prediction prediction either because I just I don't I don't have the stones, Daniel, to make this like a one possession scoring game. I just don't think I think where Penn State's at right now, even if Clifford's better, I just don't know that they can score enough to, to kind of keep pace. With Ohio State. Penn State fans will remember two years ago, that was a good Penn State team that went into Columbus and the final score was 28-17. And that that might normally give them hope. But number one, Micah Parsons isn't going to bail you out on defense. And Penn State forced like five turnovers in that game. I mean, they were down 21-0 when Clefford lived the game. I thought they were going to lose 42-3. to But they, they cobbled it together. It was a 21-17 game going into the fourth quarter. Ohio State one. I don't think I'm. I don't think that's going to happen on Saturday night. I'll let you go first since you have been nice enough to join me on this podcast. And I think I feel like I'm starting to ramble. So give me a <laughs> give me a score and a storyline coming out of that game based upon what you see on the field. Yeah, I went Ohio State 31, Penn State 14. I do think that Ohio State has they've really feasted on some of the yeah. competition they've played, which they're supposed to do. They're they're superior than, you know, 99% of the teams uh, in the country. So I think that Penn State has a little bit of a closer talent gap. I think that it'll probably be decently close early on. Yeah. And then I think that you'll just kind of see the depth uh, and the the athletes that Ohio State has take over. I think it'll be kind of one of those, well, it was closer than the final score, even though mm-hmm. you you only remember the the final score. So, but I think the big storyline coming out will be, I think it'll just be about the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's yeah. kind of the, the way that they've handled the room, the way that they've developed or not developed the guys behind Sean Clifford. I think that that's probably what, what we'll all be talking about Sunday, Monday, and into Tuesday when, when we talk to James again after the game. Yeah, I think I think your your analysis is uh, obviously I think it's spot on. I I think I picked thirty four thirteen, so I think we see it kind of the same way. I think I even said when I made my pick was I could see this game at halftime being very competitive, just because I think Penn State's pride is wounded a little bit. I think they will fight. I think they will scheme the game 
to try and try and slow it down a little bit if they can. I mean, you know, originally they wanted to go and play fast, but they were not playing fast against Illinois. I think they need to hang in there and, and take some shots early in the first half from Ohio State, make some plays maybe in the red zone uh, and get some confidence. I just don't know what to think about, Sean. I think we're going to know, Daniel, after about two possessions from the Penn State offense, how Sean Clifford's really feeling. Um, and I'm anxious to see – you know what that looks like. He did not run against Illinois and Illinois figured out pretty quickly. They didn't have to really respect him running the ball. I think it might be a mistake for him to run the ball against Ohio state, but you know what? We're not doc. I'm not a doctor. So (laughs) I I just, I just wonder what's going to happen if he takes a half a dozen big shots in this game. Uh, So I'm going to say 34, 13. And I think you're right. We are going to be talking about the quarterbacks more specifically I think we're going to be talking about with them having four games on the regular season schedule left. Is this going to be better than a six and six team? If Clifford doesn't look good, Rutgers is, you know, if Illinois can do it, Rutgers can do it. They got to go to Maryland. (laughs) They got to go to Michigan state. Michigan's coming in. So is it, is it a potentially six and six season? If, if things go horribly wrong, I think in the horseshoe, Daniel, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you how are you enjoying. You're up in State College. I don't know if the I don't know if uh, the Penn Live and the Penn State fans uh, know this. We got Dave Jones in Downingtown. I'm in Harrisburg. You're in State College, so we got a, we got most of North Central, Central, and South Central Pennsylvania covered from a living perspective. Um, I know Dave's in the woods somewhere in Downingtown, <laughs> unmarked location, so none of the fans know can get at him. Are you enjoying? I think this is your first year, I believe, up in State College. Is everything going well for you? Uh, it's it's been great. Living up here is great. We uh, we just had the leaves turn. I think yep. Monday walked outside, noticed it was it was truly fall. So it's it's beautiful out there right now. I might might go stand on my deck for for a little while before right. heading over to uh, to see practice tonight and uh, right. and get some fresh air, but. It's been it's been great. Uh, Penn State has made things interesting and uh, can't ask for more than that. Yeah. And Daniel, I, I think I think I'm not speaking out of turn. As long as you can get your growlers filled with the right liquid um, that makes you happy. I think I think that's that's half the battle. And it sounds like things are going well on that front as well. They're going great for me on all fronts in Harrisburg. But fortunately, Penn State fans have already known too much about me. Anyway, Daniel, I know you got to get to practice. Thanks for filling in. Uh, on this edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. I know you and I are going to be talking quite a bit as the season goes on. And I have a very funny, not a funny feeling, I'm pretty sure we'll probably be doing at least one podcast per week uh, once they get out of season, if Penn State season ever ends. But you've been uh, you've been great. Thanks for the info and perspective. I hope you guys enjoyed this edition. Daniel, you could, t- you could take it out for us if you want. Thanks for having me up uh, up in the majors this week. Uh, be sure to get the Blue White Breakdown anywhere you get uh, your your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at DanielJTGallon, PennLive.com slash PennStateFootball. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by PennLive. Live.